all I have needed. You can, you can testify to this. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. Do you know who wrote that verse in Lamentations chapter 3 all those years ago? It wasn't a man who had seen only the best in life, the easiest in life. The parts of life that all come together, the dots get connected and it makes sense. More than likely it was written by the prophet Jeremiah, who was nicknamed the weeping prophet. He lived at a time in the nation of Israel when it was as if everybody and their neighbor practically had forgotten the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they were following the gods of the nations around them. They were even bringing images of these demonic gods into the temple in Jerusalem. He grieved over what he sensed that the Lord was going to have to do to bring the nation back to himself. But in the middle of all of that, he writes this amazing declaration of praise that even though the nation was expressing flagrant unfaithfulness, he knew that his God was great in his faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see, he wrote. Great is thy faithfulness. You want a true north in your struggle? You want a beacon of hope in the middle of your midnight? It is the declarations of who he is, not who he was, not who he's going to be, but who he is right now, right now. Now, my part in this morning is, is, is a piece, just a segment of time, and we're going to come back to worship and praise if, if I sit down when I'm supposed to here in a minute. But there is a statement that the Apostle Peter makes in 1 Peter chapter 2. I wish you would find that spot in your Bible. If you turn the lights up a little bit so we can see our copies, there you go. So we can read our Bibles. You'd be pulling your phone out to shine some light on your copy of the Scripture. But the statement that Peter makes makes it very clear that this matter of praise of our God is not intended to be just sort of an asterisk for a footnote in our lives, but it is to identify a major theme of our lives, a major purpose for our lives. The word for praise that in the Old Testament um, that is used many, many times, the word, we get the word hallelujah from the Hebrew word for praise. It's a verb, halal. And, and it, it has as its core radiance, radiance. 
meaning that there is, there is something on the inside that is effusing light and warmth. There's, there's no such thing as real praise unless it is coming from a warm place in your heart. It is, praise is as if it is, it is to be a, a residue. It is to be the expression of something awesome that's going on on the inside of the person. And it's amazing how this matter of praise can, can be caught. You, you get to hearing somebody telling their story about what Jesus has done for you. I listened to one of our ladies sitting right there, second row in the first service, and she was just worshiping with us, but she came over after it was over, and, and she said, Pastor, can you believe what the Lord is letting me do? I've been out of prison for four years, but now I'm getting to go back to that place. They're letting me into that place, and I'm looking into the faces of some women who look just like I did four years ago and before, but I'm telling them, you can make it with the Lord's help. There is a change. There's a newness that he can bring to your life. Well, I listen to her talk like that. And I was blessed already, but when she got to telling that story about what the Lord is doing and has done and will continue in her life and how that's touching other people, you talk about me catching praise. I caught a fresh dose of it just listening to her because something was, something was radiating out of her life. When the spirit of the living Jesus moves into your heart, settles into that place that used to be marked by lostness and confusion and emptiness and defeat and failure, and he brings into your heart by his spirit wholeness. He brings into your heart a sense of a future and a hope. He brings to your heart that sense of being forgiven by the only authority that it matters to be forgiven by in a real sense, that his mercy is, has rewritten my life. When that when that's working in you, I want to show you from this verse, Peter is saying what comes out of your mouth, what radiates up out of your changed life is one of the massive purposes that God has had in mind all along for your life. In other words, open your mouth. Let those lips move. Let that tongue confess the excellencies is the word, the way it's translated here in 1 Peter 2. The excellencies of the God who called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. All right, so fine, look, look at that with me. 1 Peter 2, verse 9. Here's what he says about us. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. Why? Why are we a chosen race? Why are we now a royal priesthood? Why are we able to be called now a holy nation and a people for God's own possession? Why and for what purpose? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Is he talking to somewhere on this earth, a little wad of perfect people who've never cussed, never stolen, never done stuff that you're not supposed to do? Is, is he just talking to that group of people? No. We know that because he says in the last couple of lines, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know what will keep God's people from getting this, this uppityness about each other, toward each other, looking down, is when we get reminded of the mercy of God toward us. What he had to forgive us for. You, you can go to hell slipping off a church pew into hell. You can be so squeaky religious and Dick, you know, poke a knife in you and a verse of Scripture comes out. But without the knowledge, the working knowledge of Jesus the Christ at home in our hearts, we're just as lost as someone who may have never even come in the door of a church. Now, when we realize that there was a time when we hadn't received mercy, before Jesus really came to live in our hearts, but now that we have received mercy, we're able to, you know, want to almost argue a little bit with the Apostle Paul when he says, I'm the least of all the saints. We want to say, no, you're not, Paul. I'm the least of all the saints. Instead of getting this, this, this super spiritual, fake, plastic, better than you are, looking down on, judging another Christian, when the mercy of God, when the mercy of God wraps around our hearts, and we never get over it, then that's easy. We don't, it's not a fake humility. It's the real deal. Lord, I don't deserve your mercy, and I bless you that you're putting your mercy and you're forgiving all of these others, and they're being changed by your mercy just like I'm being changed by your mercy. But Lord, I don't deserve it. I'm the least of the ones who would deserve your mercy. Folks, Listen, if you hold on to that, if that stays rich in your heart, knowledge won't puff you up. What Paul says, knowledge will puff you up. That's why you get around some folks and quote scripture, you know, from daylight till dark, but you just sense there's such a pride, there's just such an arrogance, just a Pharisee judging people. I don't know why I'm getting off on all this. Maybe somebody needs to hear it this morning. But it says when, when, when we never get over his mercy, we never get over the fact, and we realize that we clearly get it, that he expressed mercy in my life because his goal for me, his purpose for me, is that I would declare the excellencies of that one who called me out of darkness by his mercy, not by my works and my effort and my whatever. Amen. So I want to say to you, it's not just a corollary to who you are in Jesus. It is a part of, a piece of, a major purpose of God in your life that you will be from your own position in life, from your own story. You are one who will proclaim the excellencies 
of the one who called you from darkness into light. It's another way of saying praise. We're called to praise him. Here's, Here's a distinction. Thanksgiving is for what he has done. Lord, we give you thanks for what you have done. Praise is about who he is. We praise him for who he is. We thank him for what he's done. You see the difference? The, the, the reasons that we can give him thanks can change. Sometimes lots of them. Sometimes they diminish. Sometimes they're of different types. The, the thanksgivings can change, folks. But what you praise him for, who you praise him for, never changes. Never changes. He is all-powerful. He is all-loving. He is all-wise. He is all-knowing. He is all time. He's never going to run out, never going to get too old, never going to die on us. He's the ancient of days. Do you see that? Now, what, what that does is that gets us in sync with him. It gets us in agreement with him. When we would say out of our lamentation season in our lives, that all these people, it's really it's the contrast between the people in Jeremiah's day with great unfaithfulness, but in his spirit, in his heart, the testimony of the word to his spirit, he was saying, great is your faithfulness. More, great is your faithfulness in what? Because new mercies keep coming. New forgiveness keeps coming. New expressions of his kindness and stopping things and then opening doors that need to be opened. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. When you see that in your copy of the scripture that he's called us, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into light. Just like we said a minute ago, nobody can do your praising for you. Nobody can proclaim your story for you like you can. To proclaim That means not just to know about it, not just to have it on a shelf of of dust-collecting trophies of grace somewhere back yonder, but for you to understand that he called you out of darkness and into light so that you could proclaim, so that you would have a story to tell, to proclaim it, to proclaim it, to proclaim it, to proclaim it. Not just in a church setting. I always say this is halftime. This is halftime. We're in halftime, folks. This is not the real game. The real game is out yonder. It's out where real people are, where we spend most of the hours of our time. And it's in that spot that he has set us free, has called us out of darkness into light, in order that out there we may proclaim the excellency. He's excellent in his love. He's excellent in his mercy. He's excellent in his power. He's excellent in his timing. All those things that you know to be true about what he's done in your life. It's not just so you and I would be the depository in in a jar and we put the lid on the mason jar and and we set it on a shelf. That's our story and nobody needs to know about it. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. That was a massive statement for Jennifer to tell the story about the loss of her husband and the circumstances of his death. But I'm telling you that the Lord has given her from not only permission, but authority to tell that story. 
and from the places of great sadness and darkness, even in that hour that the Lord is in the process and has brought her through, bringing her through, and she's able to proclaim as she did, as she introduced that song she sang, he's faithful. He's excellent and he's faithful. You know what the, another synonym for the word faithful can be? The, remember, the Old Testament was written in mostly Hebrew, and so it wasn't written in English, so we have to find some English words that match the meaning of those words from the other language. We translate great is thy faithfulness, but another legitimate synonym, a legitimate word you could stick in there is the word loyalty. Great is his loyalty. Uh, something about that, that just as I have considered that in days past, something about that that just, that just wrapped its hands around my heart. He's loyal. He's faithful, yes, and that's awesome. And they really mean so much the same. But he's loyal to you. When, when you and I have been disloyal, he's remained loyal. Amen. When, when we've made some choices that would indicate that we're more of a fickle lover than a deep follower of Jesus, he has remained loyal to us. And we praise him. We praise him for that. And I want to get just another little part out of this passage that we may proclaim the excellences of him who has called us out of darkness. Well, what made darkness mind him? You think back of what, about what had its talons around your life. You, you think back about what was keeping you from being the, the person, the man, the woman that you are now by his grace. Paul would say in Ephesians 2 that we were all following the prince of the power of the air, the one who's giving direction to the course of this world. Well, how come you are not still where you were 10 years ago? Why, why is it that you're different? Why is it that the freedom, there's a freedom that has come? You know what? <laughs> it's because the one who has been given all authority is your Savior. He has the ability and the authority to call folks out of darkness and into light. I'm going to tell you every time I hear these, I found the Lord. I found the Lord. I found the Lord. I just want to stand up in the pew, get up on a chair and just say, no, you didn't. Any more than a body lying in a casket has the ability to hear somebody call their name and that body in the casket respond with eyes open and raising up. Paul says we are spiritually dead apart from Christ in our lives. Socially, we can be alive. Mentally, we can be alive. But there is a part of living that only comes to life when Jesus calls you unto himself. And it's a miracle. It's the church, that's what the true church is supposed to be. That, it, it, that it, it's not a building. It's not a denominational name. Jesus said, this is the church that I will build. You who have come to understand that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, and only God by His Spirit can put that in your heart. Only God can show that to you. But folks, listen, once He turns that light on inside you, it's impossible 
I would say virtually impossible to shut our mouths, to shut our mouths. If all we think of Christianity just being another set of rules or another set of people or another place to go, then, then it, doesn't, it doesn't have that kind of strength. But when, when we really understand somewhere along the line, when I didn't have ears to hear, because people had been saying stuff to me for years and years about this is what you need to do, and this is where you need to change, and this is where hope is. And it was like they were talking to sheetrock, and I was the sheetrock. I paid no attention. But then something began to change. Don't know how, don't know when, don't know exactly the circumstances. different for, for all of us. But something began to come to life inside us. But you, he quickened, Paul would say. It's the word that, that speaks of Ephesians 2. It's the word that speaks of a mother who, who has not yet known maybe that she was pregnant. But when that child kicks within her womb, she knows. He says, that's, that's what this is. It is the work of the Spirit causing there to be the quickening of the life of God inside you. And a result of that will be repentance. A result of that will be faith in Jesus. That we're given the ability that we didn't have before because we were dead. But now that we have been called and effectively called, effectually called, and we've been brought to him out of darkness and into light, because he has the authority to do such a thing. I, I want to tell you, just on my heart, I've been seeing these two words. They're just, just almost written, but they're clear. I can hear them. The words, all authority. All authority. Washington doesn't have it. The Supreme Court doesn't have it. Austin doesn't have it. Only Jesus has it. All authority. Matthew 28. 18 to 20, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And on the basis of that, you go and make disciples of a lost and dying and confused and beaten down world. All authority, all authority, all authority. Lord Jesus, we praise you that you have all authority. And the only reason that a bunch of us this morning are clothed and in our right minds is because of his authority to speak against that, those forces that were controlling us, that were lying to us, that were defeating us, that were causing us to stay hopeless and trapped and guilt-riddled so we wouldn't come to God. We kept having to run from God. But somewhere along the line, the one with all authority began to speak. And I'm telling you, folks, he's still speaking. He's still speaking. He's still speaking. And I would encourage us as the church in America, as we, as we pray for the nations of the world, but specifically and particularly we pray for our own nation, that we would praise him that he has all authority over Texas, all authority over Oklahoma, all authority over Louisiana and Mississippi, all authority all the way up yonder to Washington, the District of Columbia. He has all authority, not just over the geography, but over the roles of men and women in positions of authority. Others may have power. Others may have dimensions of authority. But Jesus Christ has been given, holds all authority. He said to John in the vision, I hold the keys of death and of hell. Even, even 
even when it's time, and especially when it's time for us to leave this life to go into the presence of the Lord. Nobody's going to take your life. Nobody's going to take my life because Jesus holds the key to death. We're going to go when he wants us to go. We're going to go when he's calling us home, and not a split second sooner. They can say it was COVID. They can say it was an armed robbery. They can say whatever. But the bigger picture is Jesus has all authority, all authority. And he says, I hold the keys of death and of hell. Now, I, gotta, I, I, need, to, I need to leave you there, but I pray you'll just sit with that. What are the excellencies of him that you can speak to, that you can declare? They overcame him, Revelation 11, 10, 10, 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they love their lives, not even unto death. Folks, the reason we've been pulled out of darkness, the reason that we're no longer under the authority of the voices that we once were, is because he wants us to be a testimony. He's wanting us to, to declare with the sense of authority that Jesus is able. Jesus can break bonds. Jesus can set captives free. But here's the place where you have authority. You may not have it in up. You may not be at the top of the food chain where you work. But here's the place where you have authority. You have authority in the setting in which you know God has done something in your life. It won't matter to you who says, I don't believe you. It won't matter who says, that's impossible. You can look them right back in the eye without, without blinking your eye. I know that I know that I know that what I just told you, nobody but God could do. Do you hear how loud that rings? Do, 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 you, do you sense the, 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 the shuddering of, of, the, of, of the controls of the enemy of people's lives when somebody just walks into their room and just says, let me tell you what, the living Jesus Christ by his authority because of his love for me and for people has done for me. Don't be silent. We, he called us out of darkness into light that we may proclaim, that we may proclaim the excellencies of the one. Okay. Okay? I need to hear you back. Talk back. Are you okay? Are you, do you hear that? Do you hear, so nobody wants to hear my story. Well, they're not even going to have a chance to hear your story if you don't open your big mouth, you know? There's not even an option for them to reject it. But here's what happens. The closer you get to the one who rescued you out of darkness and into light, the closer you get to the one whom you know and your knower loves you unconditionally forever, the one whom you are getting closer to know that he's got your life in his hand, that he's all-powerful, he's the perfect provider, all of those things, the closer you get to him, the lover of your soul, the more there's going to be, that, that old Hebrew word, that halal, there's going to be a radiance, a radiating that's going to come out of you, and you're going to have a hard time keeping your mouth shut. You're going to proclaim the excellence. I need to tell you, want to point you to one more spot, and then our, our worship team is going to come and lead us a little further. This is, in, this is in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. I want you to find it. Acts 16. Paul and Silas have been arrested and they, are, they have been thrown in a prison, in the inner part of a prison, for their representation 
of who Jesus is and his power demonstrated in a girl that was being, that had been demonically possessed and was used by a couple of men to tell fortunes. And they were, she was telling the truth. The enemy can know certain things. She was speaking it. Following Paul and Silas around, and she kept saying out loud, these are men who, are, who know the one true living God. But she became such a distraction, Paul just finally turned around and told the demon to leave her. And the demon left, and the men lost their source of profit. And so they complained to the authorities, and, and they, one more time, Paul ends up in jail for the testimony and the power of the kingdom of Jesus on the heart. Verse 22, Acts 16, 22. Crowd rose up together against them. Chief magistrates tore their robes off and off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten, Paul and Silas, with rods. And when they'd afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. Now the plot thickens. Look at these words carefully. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there came a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison, of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfettered. And when the jailer had been roused out of sleep and had seen the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them, brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved and your household. Why has he called us out of darkness and into light? Why, why was that such an important understanding and truth for the early church? And we've missed it, I'm afraid, in the American church far too often. They understood the reason he rescued me from myself, the reason he rescued me from empty religion, the reason he rescued me from the bondages that had marked my life is so that I, with my mouth, would be able to proclaim the excellencies and the greatness of his mercy, of his love, of his power to change. So there sat Paul and Silas in the dark. No lights. They had to bring lights. Sitting there in the dark, embedded in the center of a Roman prison. Their feet in stocks. Their hands probably in chains. Everything around them looked hopeless. No legal representation, no, no sympathetic government or religious system. Just the two of them sitting in the dark, prisoners of the state, singing praises, singing hymns of praise. They might have sung the first century version of 
great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me, morning by morning, new mercies. What are you talking, you crazy fools? Look at you sitting there in the dark in chains and not knowing what's going to become. Somehow, the residency of the Holy Spirit of Jesus inside them, the Spirit of the one who changes not, who has all authority, is working in them. And they just began to sing. Naturally, not phony, it wasn't plastic. It was, they, they didn't have any, any sound system. They didn't have any backup singers. They didn't have any help. Just two men. Whether they carried a tune in a bucket, we don't know. But they were making a joyful noise unto the Lord. And folks, listen. There's somehow a connection between the praises that went up and the power that came down. Somehow, it doesn't happen all the time, but it'll happen in many, many cases. If not an earthquake physically, an earthquake emotionally where he changes, he changes our garment, our clothing of defeat or shame into a garment of praise. When we choose to set our eyes upon him and Lord, I thank you, I bless you. I don't have to understand this because I'm in your hands. I trust you. I praise you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I bless you that I'm yours. No matter if we die in this jail or if, we are not, if we're, we're let out, we belong to you. We're children of the Most High. We're children of the King. We're picked out and chosen because you wanted us. Power. Power began to come out of heaven. See, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical earthquake, but something when praise begins to come up from within our hearts, there can be the casting off of depression and sadness and fear and gloom. And we are clothed with a garment of praise. That's Isaiah 61. Jesus said this today as he was in Nazareth. Today is this scripture being fulfilled in your presence. Broken hearts healed, blinded eyes seeing, but a garment of praise being given instead of a spirit of heaviness. Folks, can I just say this to you, and I'm going to shut up. I'm going to sit down. This is not the time for folks who have been bought with the blood of the Lamb who understand that we have been chosen because God wanted us, not that he got the booby prize but that he picked us. This is not the time for us to be lost in despair and gloom and hopelessness about the direction of our nation. I'm as concerned as anybody about what's coming out of Washington these days. But I'm going to tell you, it's a truth. Jesus has all authority. There's not one leader on the face of the earth who is not but one heartbeat, one breath away from eternity. Who is the one who gives life? It is Jesus. And then the, 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 the foolishness, the ineptness of mocking the God who is the one who gives you breath to breathe and lungs to facilitate the air, to take his name in vain, to act as though he doesn't exist, to mock his rules and standards for this nation, indescribably foolish. And it will be seen in time. 
But the prayers for the rescue of this nation are being heard, will be answered. It's not about a political party. It is about the Lord bringing into place his men and women who have the, who have the strength to want to spend their lives honoring what is right in his sight. told you I'm done. I need to quit. But you need to hear that. We need to hear that. All authority. All authority. All authority. All authority. All authority. All authority is in the name, in the person of the resurrected, exalted captain of the angel armies, Jesus. We rest our lives in his care. And he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light in order that we may speak of those excellencies of who he is and what he's done in our life. Amen. Now we're fixing to sing a song. I'm not, they are. And it's about raise a hallelujah. We're going to raise a hallelujah. Now here's what I want to ask you to do. If you, if you just feel like you need, this is, there's something going on in your life that may be bigger than the circumstances. Your, the circumstances are bigger than your ability to handle. But you really want to be found in the place of praise. You want to be in, found in the place of anchoring your hope on the Lord. And that's working. I want you to get up from where you're seated in this room and just come right down here. Get close. As, as close as you want to get. Except maybe up on the platform. But come, come this way. And those of you who are listening, those of our, our amazing streaming family scattered all over the place, I want to ask you just to stand up or kneel down, or maybe you just want to stretch out before the Lord on the ground this, to raise a hallelujah. In the middle of a fight, here's what I'm going to do. Instead of complaining, I'm just going to shout praise unto my God, believing that He has the answer, He has the authority. He'll make a way. You do as you live. Do as you live.